Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wished it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the, to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided against son, against father, and father against son, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowd, when we see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it is good to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. It is my duty this morning to preach the words of Jesus. Sadly, his words are not sweet. They are not pretty. Jesus declares that people can read the weather signs, tell whether it is going to rain or be scorching hot, but you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Jesus asked us this morning, do you know what time it is? Now, if we take this in historical context, Jesus' words can be really depressing. Around the year 80 of the Common Era, or the year 80 Anno Domine, 80 AD if you prefer, a high-ranking Roman citizen named Theophilus, perhaps a political officer, is reading an argument sent to him by a man named Luke. My dear Theophilus, it begins, and what follows becomes known as the Gospel according to St. Luke. In our Gospel lesson this morning, this is the part of Luke's letter to Theophilus, it talks about a great cultural calamity. A cultural calamity that Jesus is part of. The background of this calamity is that in Jewish society, the poverty rate is over 90%. 
women in particular face crushing poverty and a limited life expectancy. They're not listened to, their problems are not taken seriously, and they are considered little more than property. Meanwhile, the richest 1% who control most of the wealth of the nation collaborate with foreign enemies to get into positions of power and then collaborate further with foreign enemies to keep their positions in government. And they make every political decision based on maintaining their wealth and power. Restless cultural conflict is at the boiling point. Uprising and resistance are spoken of openly. Jesus will be crucified in an attempt by the rich and powerful Jewish leaders to head off any uprising by the masses. By the time Theophilus gets his letter from Luke, Rome will have stepped in, burning Jerusalem and destroying the temple all the way to the ground. All Israel will mourn because they could not read the times. Our lesson this morning begins with Jesus saying, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. The stress that Jesus is under is perhaps of his own doing. He feels that his purpose in life is to speak apocalyptically about the judgments of history, to bring fire to the earth. I regret that the church has lost its ability to speak credibly about the end of history and end of world concepts. The church's conversation has been hijacked, hijacked by crazies, weirdos, survivalists, and millionaire TV preachers. But Jesus thought that what we do should always be seen in the light of eternity, higher values. Jesus felt stress because he was afraid that his listeners did not understand how quickly time passes, how the windows of opportunity are small. The chance to change happens in a fleeting moment. Do you know what time it is? He asked. Jesus is stressed because he sees an entire order of things that needs to be replaced, and it may require fire to replace it. Jesus is not advocating violence. He is not pushing for division. But he knows that when you push on a corrupt system, it pushes back and there is collateral damage. In scriptures, sin is understood corporately more than simply a list of things that individuals do wrong. In a sinful system, doing what is right feels more painful than doing what is wrong. The South was once addicted to slavery 
and as dysfunctional, inhuman, and unworkable as that system was, the thought of suddenly removing that system and the economic impact the plantation owners would feel felt worse. And the South decided it was better to go to war than remove a sinful system. During the Civil Rights era, there were those who hated Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. because as bad as the lynchings were, the segregation and poverty, the voter suppression and the inhumanity to fellow creatures of God, the violence and controversy that's stirred up by sit-ins and freedom rides and bus boycotts felt far more disruptive to the average white Southerner. Removing sinful systems is painful. When Gandhi used peaceful nonviolence against the oppression of British rule in India, the boycotts he organized indirectly caused the starvation of children in Liverpool, England, because their mills depended on the raw goods that were produced by Indian slave labor. To disengage from evil is painful. Historians tell us that there have been dozens of complex societies, civilizations, and empires that have risen and fallen over the last 5,000 years. As Ronald Wright points out, the similarities are chillingly similar. When Cortes landed in Mexico, he found roads, canals, cities, palaces, schools, law courts, markets, irrigation works, kings, priests, temples, peasants, artisans, armies, astronomers, merchants, sports, theater, art, music, and books. The high civilization that Cortes encountered differed from his own culture only in small details, but the broad essentials were exactly the same. Ronald Wright points out that every great complex civilization follows the same pattern and eventually has the same demise. Two historians in particular have established the pattern of decay, of decay that occurs in every civilization for about, and this is a round figure, but pretty darn close to accurate and a little bit more chilling, about every 250 years. About every 250 years, societies begin to collapse. Joseph Tainer in The Collapse of Complex Societies and Sir John Gloob in The Fate of Empires and the Search for Survival demonstrate the three general stages and seven acute stages that show the eventual moral decay of every civilization. The characteristics of a society in the final stage of collapse are hauntingly similar. The people become preoccupied with entertainment as an escape. Fanatical forms of belief began to develop along with conspiracy theories. Distrust in government grows. Narcissism increases along with consumerism, materialism, and nihilism. Confidence in professionals, including priests, lawyers, and doctors, declines steadily. Celebrities and athletes have the highest favorability rating. Moral restraint diminishes and people care less and less about the ethics in their leaders. Infrastructure begins to break down. Chaos in government grows and the ability to come together and solve problems dissipates. People begin to break up into tribes and racial groups. 
Violence towards those who are different grows. People look for scapegoats to explain what is wrong. The final sign of collapse occurs when people can no longer rally against an outside enemy. Now, I've been pondering this last point for at least the last couple of years, thinking about the Russian attack on our democracy. Now, if you disagree with what I'm about to say, that is all right. I could be wrong. I hope I am wrong. But I've begun to think that Pearl Harbor and the attacks of 9-11 were not the worst things that could ever happen to us. Those attacks united our country unlike no other event. The Russian attack by a government that hates America and wants to destroy democracy everywhere in the world has not brought us together, but divided us in ways that are unprecedented in modern times. If you are a historian, please correct me. I want to be wrong on this. I think this is the first time in American history we have been attacked directly by a foreign power, and it's become a partisan issue. Historians say the final stage of civilization is rooted in decadence. Decadence is defined as a loss of interest in serving a higher good, an inability to sacrifice for the greater community. A me-first generation grows. In the U.S., community involvement is approaching a 40-year low. Membership in the Catholic Church is historically low as is membership in mainline denominations, as is membership in unions. Membership is down in business organizations, philanthropic organizations, environmental groups. Nationally, membership is down in the Lions Club, the Freemasons, the Knights Templar, Rotary, Kiwanis, Moose, Elks, sports clubs, the PTA, the Boy Scouts of America, the list goes on and on. And every organization says the same thing. Our members are getting older. Who's going to carry on? Our membership is dwindling. The real danger in this is that previously, people with different political beliefs, social beliefs, ethnic and socioeconomic backgrounds could get to know each other work on common shared values. This creates, creates what's known by sociologists as social capital. The creation of relationships of trust that enable us to solve problems together. Loss of social capital leads to entropy and disorder and despair. Do you know what time it is? Jesus said, from now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. It is a strange recurring conversation that I've been having with people hearing them say we can no longer have Thanksgiving dinner with our extended family because the political conversations in the family have become so heated. 
I had lunch with a clergy group Tuesday, and I heard from a minister who told of guests speaking at a large church in North Georgia. In the middle of his sermon, someone in the congregation stood up and shouted him down, saying he was being too political. You would know this church if I mentioned it. A second member of the congregation stood up and also began shouting that the church was no place for political conversations. A third stood up and suggested that they at least let him finish his sermon and then argue with him after church. Do you think that I have come to bring peace on the earth? asked Jesus. No, I tell you, but rather division. Do you know what time it is? I also spoke with another clergy person this week who told me about her sermon last Sunday. She stood in the middle of her congregation and she simply pleaded. Moved to tears, she said, I am so tired of the hatred, so tired of the name calling, so tired of the meanness and ugliness and violence I am tired of the racism. I am tired of mass shootings. Can we just try something different? Does anybody want to join me in that? Luke writes an argument to Theophilus and says this is what Jesus was saying before his crucifixion and before the entire Jewish society collapsed. In that same Gospel of Luke, we have repeated stories of what Jesus was pushing way ahead of his time. The rights of women and those without a voice. Sharing stories of racial harmony, like the story of the Good Samaritan. Saying that God will judge any society harshly that does not protect the poor and the orphaned standing up for the outcast and marginal against the interests of the rich and powerful. It is almost as if Luke is saying to Theophilus, here is what our civilization went through right before its collapse. What is Rome going to do? What is your civilization going to do? Do you know what time it is? before it's too late. Amen.